Voice of St. Louis original podcast. Let's wrap up the week by wrapping up everything that you need to know from across St. Louis today in the St. Louis All Local. Today is Friday, August 4th. I'm Michael Calhoun. Our top local story, dozens of people who say they were the victims of police violence during the Stockley protest six years ago are now getting their settlement checks. It was the night St. Louis police were accused of beating, kicking, and pepper spraying people who were already lying on the ground awaiting arrest. Joshua Rooney was there. He says he went to see what was his first protest. And I saw what they were doing to the people in the intersection. They were just beating them down. And so I started recording on my phone. And um, when they saw that, a couple cops did, they turned around and were yelling at me to stop recording. And I started to run away because they started chasing me. And as I would get up to run away, they hit me on top of the head with a baton. The settlement for... 84 people are getting settlements, averaging $37,000 each after lawyers' fees, the case handled by the Kazali Wersch Law Firm. Kevin Killeen, KMOX News. A new law aimed at deceptive practices from pregnancy centers is put on hold. A federal judge in Rockford issued a temporary order today blocking a new Illinois law targeting emergency pregnancy centers for deceptive practices. Advocates for the centers contend it violates free speech as they counsel women against getting abortions. The law was signed by Governor Pritzker last week, claiming that pro-life centers use false and deceptive information to keep women from abortion services. The judge's order would remain in effect until the lawsuit works its way through the courts. Sean Michael Lyle, KMOX News. Get out those school supply lists. Missouri's tax-free weekend is underway. As KMOX told you earlier this week, every store and every municipality in the state is required to give families a tax break on certain items. Some of the things you can put in your cart tax-free, many clothing items, including coats and jackets, even undergarments. But keep in mind, each piece of clothing cannot exceed $100. Computers, laptops, and keyboards qualify, but they can't cost more than $1,500. And a wide array of school supplies are tax-free, but those can't add up to more than $50 per purchase. Megan Lynch, KMOX News. Missouri state regulators have reportedly pulled hundreds of products from marijuana dispensaries. The industry magazine Greenway says SKUs from more than 20 different brands are shelved while state officials investigate. Regulators tell the Post-Dispatch that three of Missouri's 215 dispensaries have been shut down over potential product safety concerns. Under the law, all cannabis flour must be tested by independent licensed companies. The Division of Cannabis Regulation tells Greenway products in question are under a hold until they can be deemed safe, remediated, or destroyed. Scott Jagal, KMOX News. When it comes to the top 100 restaurants in the Midwest, the St. Louis area does well. In fact, nine restaurants landed on the 10th annual Yelp list based on reviews and rankings. Coming in at number one on the list is Blue City Deli in Benton Park. Other city eateries include Songbird on Shoto at number five, Arzola's Fajitas and Margaritas on McNair at number eight, and Havocow Urban Farm near Lafayette Square was 32. Outside of the city and coming in at number three, Malinche Mexican Culinary Experience in Ellisville. Balkan Tree Box in Webster Groves was 18th, El Jarocho Mexican Taqueria in Valley Park 39th, and Jay's Pitteria in South County was number 61. 
Of the Midwestern states, Illinois had the most restaurants on the list at 22, most of those in the Chicago area. Missouri has 16 in the ranking, including four in the top 10. Debbie Monterey, KMOX News. The expansion of the St. Vincent Greenway from Trojan Park to Robert Powell Place in Wellston is now complete. Dallas Adams with Great Rivers Greenway says it connects people to Yadier Molina Field, the STL Business Center, and the Wellston Metrolink Station. One of the things that greenways help us solve is active transportation um, and active transit. And we are so grateful for our partners over at Metro and Bi-State for their cooperation and partnership to help bring this vision to life. We want people to be able to have access to public transit, have other ways to get around town while also hopping on one of our greenways. The greenways are paved, accessible trails for walking, biking, and skating. A celebration of the new extension with a ribbon cutting and a concert by Dirty Mugs is scheduled for Saturday morning, but might be moved to Sunday because of weather. Fox 2 News feature reporter Tim Mazell announced this morning he has Parkinson's disease. He says viewers began to notice changes in his movements recently and said he was first diagnosed two years ago. I just want to normalize it and normalize it in the sense of that I'll, I can walk it out and it's there and we know what it is and we, we own it and, and we just, it's a part of who I am now and we can address it openly as we walk it out. Parkinson's is a degenerative disorder in the brain that causes loss of movement control. Actor Michael J. Fox remained public after his diagnosis. As the news continues on KMOX. KMOX remembers the Great Flood of 1993. I'm Stuart McMillan. Our coverage continues with the National Weather Service, who says there were so many big storm systems coming through, they started naming them in 1993. Fred Glass was a newly promoted meteorologist with the St. Louis office 30 years ago. We got in this weather pattern basically coming into June and it lasted through August where the jet stream was such that we were just getting an endless track of disturbances that produced these. We also had an anomalous what we call low level jet which is basically we think of the jet stream up at like 18 to 30,000 feet that, that steers storms and steers planes. This is much lower, it's about 5,000 feet in the atmosphere and it, it's responsible for the transport of moisture off the Gulf of Mexico and, and northward um, towards the region. It was very anomalous and strong and persistent coming from the south. The combination of these disturbances in this jet stream that just seemed to persist over us and this anomalous supply of moisture just allowed day after day of these mesoscale convective systems. One of our forecasters at that time actually started naming the convective systems like we do hurricanes. It, it was kind of interesting. It's like, yep, we have another mesoscale convective system night and then it would be like it's George or Fred or something like that. So. Um, it was the summer that never ended, it seemed that way. Glass says it was a very stressful summer, to which they only had a phone and a fax machine to communicate with emergency personnel. But some of the technology used for forecasting had just been upgraded before the Great Flood hit. We had a brand new uh, radar, the WSR-88D, which the network was just starting to get established then. And we were one of the only nine offices in the country at that time that had that radar, which gave us tremendous capabilities like rainfall estimates off of radar. Um, it was definitely a crazy period. So those things you didn't have before that? No. Uh, the, the radar we had operated on prior to that was basically, uh, there was one which is called um, the uh, WSR-74C, uh, which is the 74 is the year it was developed. And then another one was um, the WSR-57. 
and that was the year it was developed, 1957. It, um, and today's day and age, people would look at the radar date off that and pretty much laugh. All as it was. How did we go to space in the 60s? I mean, I'm just, uh, I just think of the tech, you know, and like we didn't even know rainfall uh, estimates, uh, and but we had that in place just before this massive flood. I mean, what are the chances of that happening all at the same time? Um, yeah, I, all I will say is as a meteorologist in St. Louis, I was glad we were one of the first offices that had the WSR-88D and had the rainfall estimates. They were valuable in all these little uh, flash flood events that occurred throughout the summer that were you know, part of the, the larger scale river flooding. But even with the upgrades, hydrologist Mark Fuchs says the data wasn't perfect. Pretty old, pretty basic. In other words, we didn't have any forecast rain in the modeling at all. Um, and then we got real brave and started putting like 12 hours of forecast rain in there. Uh, you know, and, and then we're, we pushed it out to 24 hours and, and now we're pushing it out to 48 hours of forecast rain in the cold season uh, with only 24 hours in, in the warm season because that's, even in 2023, that's, that's as good as we can do with confidence that you know, this will likely happen. And even then, it, it, there's errors, obviously, but it's, it's, it's a far, far cry from what we had then. Um, we were putting out forecasts back in 93. I hate to say this, but it, it's, it's true. We put out forecasts that weren't even accurate when we put them out. You know, we, we knew it, and we had to quickly turn around. And, because and, they were already outdated by that time? or was Well, it things were changing constantly in, in, in a huge flood like that. Levees were breaking, and the rivers were going down all of a sudden, or, or you know, they were going up because of unexpected rainfall. And, you know, it, it, was, it was crazy. It was nuts. You could only work with the numbers you had. Yeah, and, and we, we just didn't have the technology yet to include forecast rain. You know, we didn't have meteorological modeling accurate enough to really make full use of that concept of forecast rain in, in you know, our hydrologic models. The mighty Mississippi crested at 49.58 feet 30 years ago. Our coverage continues as KMOX remembers the Great Flood of 1993 with meteorologist Fred Glass and hydrologist Mark Fuchs with the National Weather Service St. Louis office. Uh, is it possible for something that huge to happen again, what would it take for that to happen? Well, I think uh, you need that that culmination of ingredients that we saw back in in '93. Is one is um, a, a very wet period leading up to a persistent rainfall pattern to set the stage. First of all, the soils they're saturated, the stream flows, the river flows are high and above normal. Then that that that's the com first component. The second one is just persistent rainfall complexes that just go on day after day after day um, that can produce rainfall that's going to go into the, the, the river systems. Um, can it happen again? It can certainly happen again. You know, we were talking on the way over here. Our, our, I think our infrastructure is, is much better prepared. Mark could probably talk a little bit more about that, but our infrastructure is, is more prepared. But the things that we look at, like our, our our farmland, those would just be devastated as they were back with you know uh, uh, hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of acres of, of farmland under many feet of water. Well, being in a drought right now, I don't think we have to worry about the Great Flood of '93 happening uh, in 2023. Yeah, I was looking at the, uh, the the probabilities of it getting two flood stays just a few days ago, and. You know, it's it's highly unlikely to see any kind of a minor flood, let alone anything. You know, was there a percentage? 
No. <laughs> was it negative? Like negative five percent? Zero point. You know, I don't remember. It, it, it was, was pretty low. It was. It was quite low. For Total Information PM, I'm Stuart McMillan, KMOX News. And now... Time for a whole nother story with Kevin Colleen. Tonight, Kevin notices it's suddenly August and wonders what happened to July. That's right. It does seem like just a month ago we were all enjoying the 4th of July, watching the passing parade as if it would go on forever. All of a sudden then, the big thunderstorm of this past weekend came along. And part of our buckeye tree fell on the side yard. Now there are dead brown leaves sprinkled on the grass and the weather got suddenly cooler. It feels like the summer has lost its hypnotism over us. We no longer believe we're a chicken. The spell has been broken. Another thing about August that deeply depresses me is the number eight. We can all remember that Alcatraz feeling when the nuns would say, get out your number two pencil, you're back in school, you're going to write an essay on how you spent the summer, and fill out the date at the top of the page, and there it was, the number eight. My wife and I are consoling ourselves that we are going to be grandparents in December. That's right, Kevin Colleen, old man Colleen, a grandparent. I had to assemble a crib, a baby crib, and follow the directions. My wife said, can you handle this? I said, yes. It's in fact, it's just like building an Aurora plastic monster model kit. You just follow the directions like when you built the Phantom of the Opera. Do you remember the Phantom of the Opera monster model? It's the one with the face of the guy behind the bars in a dungeon back there behind the Phantom's feet. And I always wondered, who is that guy down there? And I painted dribbles of blood on his desperate expression. How did he get down there? It was never explained in the Aurora directions. I think, in fact, I liked the prisoner in the dungeon better than the Phantom himself, the way his hands were grabbing the dungeon bars and looking out. He, he looks the way that we feel when we realize it's August, and we wish we could go back a few weeks to July. With a whole other story, I'm Kevin Killeen. Subscribe and stay up to date by searching for St. Louis All Local in the Odyssey app or your favorite podcast app.